there, and welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frank Spark. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a newlywed couple who like to shoot shit about movies. That we do, that we do. And today I am introducing Scotty Roy to a movie that I actually only saw pretty recently, like over the last year, but I really liked it a lot. And I usually am not a fan of this type of movie, at least from these directors. But uh, it's Raising Arizona. Yeah. This movie was written and directed by the Cullen brothers, Joel and Ethan Cullen. It was their second film that they directed and the third that they wrote together. This is probably my favorite Cullen brothers movie. But other movies that they've created more notably, I guess, would be um, Fargo, Big Lebowski. Take it easy, dude. Oh, yeah. I know that you will. Yeah, well, the dude abides. Barton Fink, No Country for Old Men. Another one that I feel like not a lot of people know about is um, Inside Lewin Davis. If I had wings, I'd fly up a river to the one I love. Which I've talked about like off like Mike or whatever before to people because I just I love that movie too. Coen Brothers are hit and miss for me. Yeah, you gotta yeah. kind of buy into the Coen Brothers. I mean, they have a very distinct style. Very wacky. Very very wacky, but and sometimes at least for me it works and sometimes it doesn't. For example, I think their latest film was Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yes. And I, I mean, some of it was okay. Some of it was like, what the fuck? But I mean, there's nothing that's like bad. It's just. I don't know. It's just not my cup of tea. Yeah, it makes sense. I don't know. But uh, this movie is a lot, in my opinion, more like like sweet and like kind of heartwarming, and it's really funny. Yeah. So I yeah I really dig this movie a lot. I've always wanted to see it, but just never did until recently. So it stars Nick Cage and Holly Hunter. Nick Cage obviously is been in a million things by this point he's a huge star but at this point when he did this movie this was 1987 he was just really just coming up like this was right before he did moonstruck i lost my hand i lost my bride johnny has his hand johnny has his bride you want me to take my heartbreak put it away and forget so this was like really the beginning of his career and the Coens weren't the Coens yet right exactly they they were starting out too really and then Holly Hunter, she's been in a million things, too. This role was actually written for her, of Ed, the, the main female role. But if you don't know who she is by the name, she plays Elastigirl in The Incredibles. You're late. When you asked me if I was doing anything later, I didn't realize you'd actually forgotten. I thought it was playful banter. It was playful banter. Cutting it kind of close, don't you think? You need to be more flexible. So she, she's a pretty good star as well. But at this point... She was, this was like the beginnings of a lot of people's careers. And there's a lot of, we'll get into it as we go through, but there's a lot of quintessential Coen Brothers cast members, as well as like wacky plot points and stuff like that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll definitely get into that. But uh, just, just to start off, how overall did you feel about this movie, Scott? Oh. First time seeing. So overall, I felt the movie was very good. There, yeah, there's some wacky, zany stuff that if you don't buy in, you kind of would check out of this movie. Mm-hmm. There's, but overall, I thought it was good. There's a lot of weird stuff that happens throughout the movie. And like I'm sitting next to Frankie, and I say like, "What? The, how did he do?" <laughs> yeah, it was kind of funny. 
the Coens are kind of known for that, where it's just like we entered like this weird space. They have a weird thing with dreams too. And I see yeah, that started a, here. There's yeah, there's a weird dream sequences slash situations in this movie. But the Coens <laughs> is just that's just who they are. But overall, yeah, I liked it. I liked the love story between the two of them. It's not. It's not like the greatest chemistry we've ever seen, but it, I think they have chemistry. They have chemistry, though. but it's not like I think they they're like it's not Hollywoodized yeah, chemistry. True. It's I think it's believable like couple chemistry. Yeah, you know I, mean? I guess that makes like sense. Everyday couple. All right, so we'll, we'll we'll get into this. So the movie opens with Nicolas Cage playing H. I. McDonough, but everyone just calls him Hi. Yeah. Odd name, but okay. Well, his initials are H-I, so we just call him High. Yeah. You find out later his actual name is Herbert, but I prefer High. I think yeah, High works. <laughs> um, okay, so he's played by Nicholas Cage. He's getting photographed for his mugshot going to jail because he's a, a perennial Dylan. robber. Yeah, he likes to fucking steal from people. <laughs> so he's, he's getting his... Uh, Mugshot taken. And Ed, who's played by Holly Hunter, she is the photographer. And she's uh, taking his picture and telling him to turn and this and that. And he's very Twitter padded with her and like flirting with her. Turn to the right! Guy name is Ed for a pretty thing like you. Short for Edwina, turn to the right! You're a flower, you are. Just a little desert flower. Yeah, but the they basically introduce High as like this criminal who's constantly trying to be good. Like he gets out on parole and gets released, but he's and he's trying to be good, but well, yeah, he always he, goes back to crime. Well, yeah, and ends up going back to jail. Well, he never he never does something that's like he robbed the <laughs> he robbed the gas station, but never used live ammunition. Yeah, well, that's what they at one point they mentioned like the parole boards, like because you didn't use live ammunition. You know, you, you got get... a lesser sentence, so you can be let go now, yada yada. They got a name for people like you, hi. That name is called recidivism. Repeat offender. Not a pretty name, is it, hi? No, sir. That's one bonehead name, but that ain't me anymore. You're not just telling us what we want to hear. No, sir, no way. Because we just want to hear the truth. Well, then I guess I am telling you what you want to hear. Boy, didn't we just tell you not to do that? Yes, sir. Okay, then. So, yeah, he never, like, really, like, hurts anybody. But at the same time, he is still a criminal. Yeah. So he always is going back to jail. Kind of setting up, like, the criminal with a heart of gold kind of thing. Very true. And one time when he is going back to jail and getting his mugshot done, Ed is visibly upset and crying. Yeah. And... High has this moment where he's like, "What's wrong? What happened?" And she goes, "My fiance left me." And High decides to like go off and say, "Like you tell that motherfucker, I'm here and I'm I'll... coming for him, and he he's gonna answer to me." I'm in Tempe, Arizona. Tell him, I think he's a damn fool, Ed. You tell him, I said so. H.I. McDonald. And if he wants to discuss it, he knows where to find me. In the Maricopa County Maximum Security Correctional Facility for Men, State Farm Road, number 31, Tempe, Arizona. I'll be waiting. Yeah, and he, and she kind of, like, turns her head, like, you know, surprised by that reaction. And after this point, like, they actually kind of start, like, falling for each other at that point. High goes back to jail, and we keep getting, like, scenes of, like, bunch of jailbirds like sitting in a circle with like a counselor like talking about why they're you know doing crime and trying to prevent recidivism i suppose uh, but yeah there's a lo- there's a lot of cute like little funny little yeah. gags in there this movie's really funny and it's really well written it's the whole thing is like narrated by high like yeah but it's also like going through like the dialogue. Like they, Coen Brothers have very interesting dialogue. It's almost like a play, like a theater type thing, which I really like. And the, the script was only written in like 
three and a half months, which I think is crazy. Yeah. It's really well written. It is. It shows you that through the years what they've been able to accomplish. And I think all their scripts, even if you don't like the story, mm-hmm. all their scripts are pretty well written. Yeah, you can at least, that's why, I, that's why I say, like, none of their movies are bad. It's just some of them just aren't like my cup of tea. You know yeah. what I mean? So, Pi gets released again, and then commits crimes again, ends up going back to jail another time. And while Ed is taking his photo, taking his photo and doing his fingerprints, Hi whips out a ring and is like, "Hey, I'll see you when I get out." <laughs> like, which, which is crazy. She accepts it, and it's it's crazy. And he's just kind of like daydreaming in jail about like being with Ed and and like having this normal life and. Yeah, he says he's getting uh, he'll see Ed in eight to twelve months. So he gets released once again, and they immediately get married. They get a trailer home, and he gets like a regular old job at like a sheet metal factory, yep. and everything is lovely. And then Ed is like, "I want a baby," and she realizes that sh- she realizes after some trying to get pregnant that she is infertile and she can't yes. have a baby on her own yeah, she's barren as she said yeah she she pulls up in the car like hysterical crying and she's just very upset ed is very emotional throughout this whole movie she's kind of a basket case but she's also very sweet i feel bad but yeah so she does that they also can't adopt a baby because he's a because high is like a perennial criminal so they won't give them a baby so they come up with this plan. <laughs> oh god, this plan. Uh, and the plan, the thing is with the plan, like it's it's very glossed over. Like, like uh, for high, it's well, even for high, it's a bigger deal because he this is like a new level of crime for him. But as a cop, and she really doesn't show any remorse for well, doing what she's about to do. So, well, well, she is left police force at this point because... I don't think that's... No, because they mentioned she has left the police force because she's so depressed that she's stopped going in. Oh, right, right, right. Um, because she can't have but a kid. Still, and can't adopt a kid. She's, you know, it doesn't... She, like... Yeah, she's next cop. She, but even... <laughs> she's, yeah. Um, so they decide that Ed is watching a news report on Florence and Nathan, Arizona, who are like these like hoity-toity kind of millionaires, I guess, in, in Arizona. Yeah. And they just had quintuplets. So, Hi and Ed said that, uh, well, Hi in his narrations, like, it's, you know, unfair that they have so much while Hi and Ed have so little. So they decide that they're going to break into the Arizona yes. and steal a baby, one of the five babies, and raise it as their own, as if that's just something they can do. Well, it's funny, because during this whole, while he's, like, narrating the plan, and they're putting a ladder on the roof and getting into the, there's banjo music playing. Like, this is like... Yeah, the score is kind of hilarious. And it's funny, because then we get the card comes off Raising Arizona! Right, and I, yeah. and I laugh, so I'm like, oh, okay, here that's we go. we get the title card, and our movie I'm really, like, like, gets into the I'm like, oh, so this was all, like, the prologue yeah, to the yeah, movie. exactly. So, Hi gets a ladder, climbs into the baby's nursery, and while the parents, Nathan and Florence, Arizona, are just sitting downstairs, like, oblivious, Hi... He is at least trying to steal the baby. He chickens out the first time. Yeah. Goes back. He does. To Ed and is like, well, they started crying. Like, what am I supposed to do? And Ed's like, bitch, baby's crying. Go get the fuck." She baby. locks him out of the car. Yeah. She's like, don't you fuck with me. So he ends up stealing one of the babies who he thinks is uh, Nathan Jr. Yes. And he steals the, like, huge baby book they have. I think it's like Dr. Spock or whatever the fuck. Whatever. Dr. Spock. Dr. Spock. <laughs> Mr. Spock, are you all right? Yes, I believe no permanent damage was done. What happened? The occipital area of my head seems to have impacted with the arm of the chair. No, it's like, well, you know, that fucking, like, 
huge, like, quintessential, like, baby book. I think my mom had it when I was a baby. Like, I remember seeing it in our house. So it's that it's that big baby book, which comes back a few times throughout the movie. Yes. So they're, they're driving back home with the baby. Ed is hysterical crying, saying how much she loves his baby. Yes. <laughs> and then Nick Cage is just like, I know you do, honey. <laughs> By the way, Nick Cage, I, I haven't brought up, Nick Cage's hair is insane in this movie. I love his hair. I, I love his look in this movie. It's just so it's funny. Just like, it's just quintessential, like, 80s, like, almost, like, like, 80s, like, young dad, but also, like, got, like, that red floral shirt, and he's got the crazy hair and the mustache. It's great. I love it. So... They have, like, these welcome home banners and stuff set up for the baby. And they're showing them around the house. And, like, it's a very, actually, despite the fact that they just committed this fucking huge, incredible it. crime, it's actually kind of cute. Which is, I think, the point. Like, like they're just totally, like, car- compartmentalizing the fact that they kidnapped a child. Oh, yeah. Well... And, like, making excuses, like, oh, they have more than they can handle. You know, Ed says that a million times, but they... Well, to high, it's, like, it's just another crime, basically, the high. For Ed, it's totally different, because she was a cop, and she upheld the law, and, like, it's... Well, she, it just shows how desperate she was to have it. She let her grief and her desperation right. take over her yeah. mind. But they are taking, like, a family picture... And I like this scene a lot because High sets up the camera and he puts the timer on and he's sitting with Ed and the baby and they're like talking and Ed's just like, you know, we're going to live a normal life from now on, normal family life. And he's like, yep, yep, sure, whatever. Just look at the kid, like, you know, and the timer is like, tick, 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 like a bomb, like I felt like a bomb going off. And then as soon as the picture, like as soon as the photo goes off, you cut to the next scene, which is two of High's prison friends breaking out, digging a tunnel underneath and popping out Well, in the... Well, that is the next scene. But they also do show the picture because as they're doing the picture, she's continually like... Right, yeah. And it looks... When they show the picture, High looks like, uh, what did I get myself into? Yeah. So then we, we cut to the next scene with the Snopes brothers breaking out of prison... We have John Goodman, who is a Coen Brothers staple, playing Gale. And he was also, I mean, I will always know him as Dan Connor from Roseanne, who I, I fucking love Dan Connor. I actually, when I would watch Roseanne all the time when I was younger, I still watch it sometimes, but I would always think of me and Scott with <laughs> Roseanne and Dan. What's the matter, hon? Don't call me hon. Babe, I've been calling Don't you hon for 15 years. Either. Look, lady. But yeah, I, I love John Goodman. And then we have uh, William Forsyth. As Evel, the other brother. Yeah, they were introduced earlier, actually. <laughs> in Yeah, in the prison. But uh, this is where we actually get to really, really know them. Yeah, we really meet them here. And they immediately, after breaking out of prison, they decide to go to see High. <laughs> Which I'm surprised they know where High is. Thinking about it, like, I was like, I don't know. Movie magic. Yeah, movie magic. It's fine. Or they kept in touch with him, like, when he got out. I guess. Well, I guess I'd worked in the prison, so... Right. When they get to high, they start knocking on the door and pounding on the door and saying, police, it's the police, open up. And <laughs> they think that they got caught. So high, just pulls out a gun and is like, they're not taking our family away. I'm like, you're going to really, <laughs> like, how far are you going to go with this? But they open the, he opens <sighs> the door. Thankfully, it's not the police. What? Oh, I forgot. So right before they bring the kid into the house, High's like now like cleaning up. He cleans something off the cage. He finds his porno mag and just oh, like yeah, and yeah. just like hides it under the bed. Like the kid's gonna find the porno mag. Yeah, that was stupid. And Ed is always like, "Don't you cuss in front of him? He's an infant. He doesn't know what cursing is, sweetheart." He won't remember it. He's got the memory of a goldfish. Gail and Evel come to the house, and uh, Ed is immediately like, "What the fuck?" Like because the, like they quickly find out that they escaped from prison. They didn't get released. Yeah. So, she's like, you guys gotta go. Like, get the fuck out. And she storms off with the baby. And Gail, 
who is John Goodman. He's a fucking prick because he's like, you want the lady making decisions for you? Who wears the pants in this relationship? Throughout this whole movie, he's a prick with her. But anyway. Oh, yeah. So, High basically, you know, like, like, uh, lurks into the bedroom and she's like, did they leave? And High's like, no, they're going to stay for a day or two. So, whatever. Like, they just compromise that i guess that, like they're gonna stay for a day or two and then get the fuck out yeah whatever because it's raining out oh yeah that's really whatever i i mean it's implied that like he feels bad for them because they're his friends and like he still has like one foot in his life of crime he's not really fully no, into well, like the whole normal family again thing. just kidnapped a baby right well <laughs> there you go so this is where we get the first dream sequence, right? Right, yes. So he has he, he goes to bed high and he narrates through this weird dream that he has about a biker, like kind of set in this like fiery apocalyptic world. Mad Max coming after him. And, you know, he's it seems like he feels guilty because even though he is a criminal, like kidnapping the baby, it's it's a whole other level of, like, he's never gone past, like, petty Petty theft, theft yeah. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, it's it's eaten at him a little bit, I think. Oh, yeah. And he, he says during the scene, which I thought was great, he said, did I unleash this monster on myself? Or? Right, exactly, yeah. I didn't know where he came from or why. I don't know if he was dream or vision. But I feared that I myself had unleashed him. So, next scene we meet, we actually really meet Nathan Arizona. Yes. Who is talking to the FBI. He's a furniture salesman. He's this tycoon, basically. And he's super rich. And he's, like, kind of like a scumbag, it seems. Like, he's an asshole. But I I like what they do with his character. Because, like, towards the end, he has kind of an interesting... Arc. Arc, yeah. Like, a little turnaround. But we'll get to that. But right at this moment, like, this is a kind of funny scene because the FBI are, like, talking to him and trying to investigate, like, what happened to this baby. And, like, he's just getting frustrated with these people because they're, like, all in his house and, like, making a fucking ruckus and asking him a million questions. He's like, why are you guys here when I know for damn sure that my son isn't here? Yeah, it's the the only place in Arizona I know he is. Right. And there's one point I, like, when he's, like, but one of the detectives is like, what was he wearing? He's like, I don't know, a dinner jacket. What do you think? He was wearing fucking pajamas. He's a little baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it was great because he also, like, throws in, like, uh, a pitch for his, his store, Painting Arizona. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. They ask him at one point which baby was taken, and he goes, ah, Nathan Jr., I think. <laughs> which is funny because that's what Hi and Ed said in the beginning when they first took him. They're like, which one do you get? Uh, Nathan Jr., I think. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they're quintuplets i can't imagine it's easy to keep them all together it's still i mean what it's not like puppies where you can just put like different colored collars on them and you know which one is which but like, like you like randomly like so if we had quintuplets like which would never happen like if we like brought like oh is that barry is that like we'd have to figure out a way to tell these kids apart yeah i mean i yeah obviously i don't know how i mean that's crazy give them all armbands like little bands in their it's just nuts to me i don't know anyway so then we cut to the prison where other cops are investigating the breakout. And as like you look around, you see the biker from High's Dream pull up. And Scott was very confused. And I was like, ah. <laughs> um, and I'm still, but nobody acknowledges him. Right. He just pulls up. Nobody says a word. Nobody stands there smoking. He flicks a cigarette. You're like, is this real? <laughs> well, it, it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he appears near the scene. Again, the Coen Brothers writing, I think, is really good in this because the biker is, like, part of High's nightmare. But, like, it's also real because like what he's worried about happening because he's worried about this whole thing blowing up in his face high yeah and it's all like backfiring and 
eventually the reason the biker i think is real is because like it is like it is oh. going to backfire and it can backfire in the worst ways possible and that's you know what he kind of represents the biker so the next scene is like hi and ed basically tell the brothers they have to like get out of the house for the day because they're gonna have friends over the good company right right who's glenn who is high's foreman at the sheet metal place yeah and his wife, Dot, who's played by Frances McDormand, she who is. you didn't even recognize in this. No, I did not recognize her. I had to, like, hair. point her out to you, but she is also a, uh, a Coen Brothers staple. She's in Fargo, probably most notably. Yeah. But, yeah, they're, like, this, like, quintessential, like, obnoxious, like, southern couple, I guess. That have way too many kids. We're yeah, all, they have, like, a gaggle of kids. We're and, all wild. Right. And so they have a lot of funny moments, too. Like, Dot is, like, absolutely, like, crazy about kids. She wants, like, even more kids, and she... Well, because she's saying the the youngest one is getting too old. Too old to cuddle, cuddle. yeah. So, and then uh, she, like, is giving Ed, like, a million pieces of, like, quote-unquote advice, but really just kind of, like, fear-mongering her about, like, getting vaccines. Oh, she was making... Saving money, and... She was making me... <laughs> no, I guess we don't have one yet. Jesus, well, you gotta have one. You gotta have one this instant. Yeah, well, what if the baby gets sick, honey? Even if he don't get sick, he's got to have his dip tat. He's got to have his dip tat, honey. He started his bank accounts yet. Have we done that, honey? We gotta do that, honey. What's that for, Dot? That there's for his orthodonture and his university. Now, you soak his thumb and iodine, you might get by without the orthodonture and won't knock a thing off the university. <laughs> so, um... So I can't imagine what High was like, uh, 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 uh. And then Glenn is like a fucking idiot. He's like constantly like making Pollock jokes. Terrible Pollock jokes. How many Pollocks take to screw up a light bulb? I don't know, Glenn. One? Nope. Takes three. Wait a minute, no, I told him wrong. And, like, uh, talking about his semen problems, because, like, I don't know, it's weird. Like, they try, because he, he says that, uh, him and Dot tried to adopt a baby, but they had, like... They have to wait five months. Right. It, for, for a healthy, healthy white baby. baby. But if they, if they don't choose a healthy white baby, there's two Koreans and... and An African child with uh, heart outside of his body. Yeah. I was like, oh my god. So, yeah, they're fucking crazy, and so Glenn and high are like walking and like talking and high is basically like hyperventilating like he is yeah getting he's feeling the pressure of like having a family life and having responsibilities that's a big like buzzword glenn then turns to high and kind of like suggests he suggests a way to kind of unwind uh a very unusual way i think of unwinding so he basically tells Hi that his wife Dot thinks he's cute, and he thinks Ed is cute. And immediately Hi is like, <laughs> and then Glenn goes, "Well, Dot and I are swingers, and if you want, like maybe me and you could exchange wives for like a day or whatever." And Hi immediately <laughs> punches him in the face, knocks him out. Me and Dot are swingers, as in to swing. I'm talking about wife swapping. I'm talking about what they call nowadays open marriage. I'm talking about... Keep your goddamn hands off my wife. And Glenn starts running, and it's like a fucking horror movie, because Glenn is running like a fool, and High is just, like, angrily, like, marching, like, stay away from my wife. (laughs) It's just, like... It's fucking hilarious. And then he... Glenn ends up breaking his nose, but not from the punch, from him... Running being, into a tree. Yeah, he runs into a tree, which is fucking hilarious. And then we cut to, like, Ed and High in the car together with the baby. And she's just like, so we have, like, a normal family for one day, and then you go and haul off and punch your boss in the face. Like, he's going to fucking fire you. Like, what is yes, your problem? Yes, we find out he's the boss of the street metal. Like, this is where we found out, like, oh. Yeah. So, like, High, basically knowing that he's going to be fired, he's, like, you know, worried, and he does the only thing he knows how to do, which is 
He pulls into a convenience store, says he's going to buy Huggies for the baby, gets out, throws pantyhose over his head, and which he just pulls from, like, the shelf, I think. Yeah. And then he decides to rob the convenience store. Yep, money and Huggies. I'm going to take these Huggies or whatever money <laughs> The guy sees him coming in the pantyhose, presses the cop button. Right, he presses the alarm, and Ed is in the car with the baby, and she, like hears the sirens, doesn't think anything of it, and then turns around and sees Ty robbing the fucking store, and she, like, screaming at him, you son of a bitch, and then gets in the car in the driver's seat and just leaves him. And she drives off. So and this the ensuing scene... is so wacky insane. Oh, it's fucking nuts, and it's great. I actually love... I love this sequence so much. So... We start off, it's just complete chaos. So, Hi's outside. Hi, Hi ends up getting chased by the cops with the pack of puggies in hand. He eventually drops it. He ends up jumping over a fence, losing the cops for like a minute, and then he ends up getting chased by a dog. And then, like, he ends up running back to the road, pulls over a random car, like, holds this guy at gun, gunpoint, and Tells, tells him to drive, him to drive. and then the the convenience store guy is still chasing him with the gun. Yeah, because he shot at him twice. Right, and then Ed, like feeling bad, she decides to go back and get high. Yeah. So then the convenience store guy gets attacked by the dog. Yeah, after he shoots <laughs> so out the out window of, of the car he's in. The- right, right. It, it's just complete fucking hysteria. So. The convenience store guy and the dog are out of it. The cops are still chasing High within the in the car yeah. with the other guy. They crash. High gets out. Uh, High flies out because he's not wearing a seatbelt. Right. And then they have this weird scene where like he runs through a house. Yeah, and the cops are running through the house. And the cops are running through it. It's like this fisheye lens kind of thing. Like it's kind of it's just like completely it's not like camera work today where if they want to show like chaotic stuff they yeah. just like shake the camera 20 times like you know yeah it has a way of yeah, direction it, showing the chaos and how crazy everything is without like giving you a headache oh, <laughs> it, it was it's crazy and then at this point so at, at this point he runs into another store hi picks up another pack of huggies and then in this other convenience store everything is going crazy the owner is shooting at him customers are screaming more dogs are flying in. Like, uh, it's fucking nuts. Uh, the, the cop is shooting down the aisle lays at Yeah, him. the cops are shooting. Which is like, that doesn't seem really well advised to shoot no. a public store. But I don't know. I'm not a cop. I mean. In Arizona. <laughs> so then, High ends up escaping the store. And Ed is right there in the car. He jumps right in. And they escape. And as soon as, like, they're free and clear... Ed just fucking punches him in the face. She's like, you fucking idiot. What is wrong with you? Like, we're supposed to be fucking living a normal life. Like, and this is where High kind of, like, they end up fighting. And High said, like, you know, you should just accept me for what I am. Like, this is who I am. It's ingrained in me. So this is kind of like the question, I guess, overarching philosophical question. Can someone change? Right. Exactly. Can they? Can a leopard really change their spots, or is it always kind of just part of them? So they finally get home, and the fucking Snokes brothers are still fucking sitting in the house, and Ed is just, like, done with this whole thing. She's just like, you guys need to get the fuck out of this house tomorrow. I am going, she says, I'm going into town tomorrow in the morning to find out uh, about vaccines for the baby and get stuff for the baby. If you're not out by the time I get back, I'm going to fucking throw you out personally. (laughs) So she's pissed. And she goes away with the baby. And Gail, again, is like, you know, I don't think this is working out with this woman. (laughs) And it's just like, you know, they're basically shitting on Ed and saying, like, you know, he should just leave her and join them in their life of crime. That's because they're going to go rob. Gail and Evel show him an article. Yes. About a bank in, I think it's still Arizona. I think it's yeah, it's Arizona. 
uh, a bank that's about to have a bunch of hayseeds put all their money in it for the day. Doesn't it sound so southern? <laughs> but they're basically going to rob this big bank and they want Kai to come with them. And after, like, some discussion, he basically decides that he's going to do it. In the night, Kai writes her a letter. Yeah, that he's going to leave. It's very poignant, actually. Uh, very well written, if nothing else. But he's basically saying, like, he'll never be able to be the husband and father that she wants him to be. And she, he doesn't have the strength of character to be a responsible adult. But I found it interesting that, like, over that, him writing the letter, you see an image of the motorcycle guy whose name is Leonard Smalls, we find out in a little bit. We find out that he is on a bike, like on, like seemingly on his way into the plot. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like it's just, it's like, it, it was interesting because like this is like a somber, sad moment, but then at the same time, it's like, oh shit, like trouble's coming again. Yeah. Don't you worry, more chaos is coming. Yeah, I, I thought it kind of showed like, despite the fact that like it's kind of sad and he's leaving and he thinks he's doing the right thing, like still the guilt and the things that he's done. Yeah. It's, like, going to catch up with him. Yeah. So. I fall asleep on the note. So, yeah, because she, he falls asleep and she leaves the house, so she never sees it. But anyway. So, then we cut to the scene with the motorcycle guy, Leonard Smalls. He goes to see Nathan Arizona in his furniture shop, which, like, if your child is missing, you're going to work. <laughs> Your, your little baby's missing, and you're just going to go to work? Okay. Yep. Anyway, so we find out who this mystery motorcycle guy is. This is the first time we actually get confirmation that this man is actually real. Yes, he's actually real. So we find out his name is Leonard Smalls. Uh, he's a bounty hunter. And he offers to hunt down the baby for Nathan, Arizona, for $50,000. He's already set a reward for $25,000, but the guy's like, no, 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 I want 50000 And Nathan basically refuses, and he's like, you know what, I think this is a shakedown. I think you fucking kidnapped the baby, and you're trying to shake me down for money. So Smalls is like, you know what, fuck you, fine, be that way. I'll still find the baby anyway and sell it on the black market. And then he leaves. And it's just like, what the fuck? But this guy is, like, terrifying. He's very gruff, very scary-looking. Very dirty. He's uh, got, like, guns and fucking uh, yeah. grenades attached to his vest. Like, he's a fucking monster. So. Yeah, because he says a baby in the black market's worth 30. Right. So so now we're, like, fucking freaking out because now, even though we've, you know, we've set up that High is just going to leave and go back to his life of crime and yeah. Ed and the baby are going to be fine and normal on their own. Now we know that this guy, Leonard Smalls, is coming to cause havoc. So yes. We're at the next morning. Ed is gone into town and the brothers, the, the prison brothers are there with Hi. And the baby. And the baby. So we get Glenn who comes in his car to see Hi. He's got a big thing on his nose because his nose is still broken. Uh, and they had like a funny moment where he's like, I don't want to come in. And he's like, I didn't invite you in. <laughs> Glenn basically tells hi, listen, I know who the baby is. I know that he's Nathan Jr. And I was going to go to the police to get the reward, but instead I know my wife wants the baby to cuddle. So you're going to give the baby to us and we're not going to say anything about it. And it's going to become Glenn Jr. Right. Glenn leaves and says, like, I'll give you a day to break the news to Ed, and we'll come pick up the baby tomorrow. So he leaves, but then High turns around and he sees the blinds moving. Yeah. So he's like, shit, they overheard, the brothers. So High comes back in, and the brothers, Glenn and Evel, are coming out, holding, yeah. and Evel is holding the baby. So this leads to a fight between John Goodman and Nicolas Cage, which is fucking great. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, yeah. it's so it's almost cartoony, this level of, like, the oh, fight. Yeah. They're just, like, throwing each other through walls. Like, at one point, Nicolas Cage, like, throws his hands up to hit him, and he hits the ceiling. He's like, ah! Like, so over the top. Yeah. 
It's like hilarious. At one point, at one point there, John, he's on John Goodman's back and he's spinning, and the camera is on, I guess, on the cage's back, watching his feet spin <laughs> yeah, around yeah. the room. That was a good shot. I like that shot. So, eventually Hi. they beat the shit out of High and they tie him up to a chair. And the second they leave with the baby, High starts, like, trying to move and get out of it, and he falls to the ground. And they have, like, a cool shot of, like, silence, and then just, like, feet coming back in, who I, you assume is Gale. Comes back in, just see his feet, and he walks over past High, picks up the baby book, and then walks out. And High is just, like, screaming, like, this guttural scream. Yeah, it was a really good, like, scene. As Ed is driving home, she passes them in the car. And she doesn't see the baby, but she sees the brothers, like, leaving the opposite direction. She's like, good. And then she comes home and she realizes the baby's gone. And she's, like, dead silent and just, like, in shock, I think. And then Hi is just like, okay, baby, we're gonna we're gonna get him back. And he gets his gun and he's like, we're gonna get the baby back. Don't worry. I'm gonna live a responsible life. I'm gonna be here for you and the baby. <laughs> and yeah, Ed is just, like, in complete shock. Like comatose, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so as they're driving in the car, like, Ed is crying, and Hi is just trying to talk to her, and she's like, listen, I don't give a shit about, this is, like, a great scene, I really, this is one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, because, like, I think this is the point where she really kind of wakes up and acknowledges, like, that this was a mistake, and they never should have did this. Yeah. So Ed is crying, and she says, listen, I don't care about anything. I don't care about myself. I don't care about you. I don't want to. I don't care about anything about, but getting this baby back safe. And even if we do get the baby back safe, I don't want to be with you anymore. This is not like look what we did. Like this is not good. We're not good for each other. We're not good people. Which is sad. It really is sad. And like, cause that's the thing. Like that's why I like this movie. Cause like, yeah, they did this horrible thing, but like you feel for them because like at least you feel for her more than him like you feel for him too because he doesn't seem like a bad person he just kind of is like if anything a weak person because he doesn't want to do the hard work of like trying to make a better life for himself he just would rather do things that are easy for him very true but you feel really bad for her because all she wanted was baby yeah and i mean it's sad, but at least, like, she woke up and realized, like, we've made a huge mistake. Yeah. So, at this point, they're off looking for the baby, looking for Gail and Evel, and they, shock of all shocks, they rob a convenience store <laughs> with baby in tow, and they end up, as they're escaping, leave the baby behind in the car seat, in the street <laughs> and they freak out they're like oh where's the baby ah! and then they immediately reverse where's junior what do you mean didn't you put him in no i thought where'd we leave him <laughs> all the way back and almost hit the baby yeah stop <laughs> right their car <laughs> Like, this is a nightmare. And then Evel, who has gotten, like, really attached to the baby, she he gets out of the car and is like, promise me we'll never leave him, Gail. Promise me we'll never give him up. And John Goodman's like, well, well he's Gail Jr. now. We'll never give him up. He's family. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, Someone else takes claim of this baby. So after the convenience store, the brothers drive to the bank, which they were going to rob. Yes. And they're like, they're, they rob this bank and they have like a really stupid, they're like the dumbest criminals ever. Well, they Gail ha- and Evel Snokes. They're fucking dumb. Well, they have this whole conversation <laughs> in the car. They're like, oh, we'll leave the baby in the car. He's like, well, what if, what if we get caught? The baby will be out here forever. <laughs> yeah, that'll be, it'll be hours before he's discovered. Like, well, probably not, but okay. So they bring <laughs> It's the- right outside the bank. Like, they'll, they'll, anyway. So they bring the baby within the car seat with 
into the bank and like John Goodman is carrying him around like a fucking purse. This fucking like it's so ridiculous. But anyway. Oh, but it's a great fucking So then they thing. have like a back and forth like, okay, everybody freeze. Now get down on the ground. And there's this like old country gentleman who's like, Well, do you want us to freeze or do you want us to get down on the ground? We can't do both at the same time. <laughs> everybody freeze. Everybody down on the ground. Well, which is it, young feller? You want I should freeze or get down on the ground? I mean to say, if I freeze, I can't rightly drop. And if I drop, I'm going to be in motion. You see? Shut up! Okay, then. Just so stupid. And John Goodman's like, ugh. It's like, he's like, oh, he's like flustered now because he didn't expect anybody to be like. Yeah, so... Oh, and then they, they go to, like, the tellers, like, area, and they're like, where'd the tellers go? And they're like, we're down here, oh, sir. We're on the ground. <laughs> we're on the ground. It's like, ah! Uh, so, they they rob this bank. Well, yeah, but the teller, so as he's, like, the teller sneaks in a uh, bomb. A dye pack, yeah. yeah. So, that's a little, a little fun thing that's gonna happen in a minute. So, while they're robbing the bank, though, we cut to, um... Mr. Leonard Smalls, our creepy motorcycle bounty hunter, walking into a high and Ed's place. Yes. Seeing how it's all ransacked and finding the article that Gail showed high before about the bank. Yeah, so. so. So he knows exactly where to go. So he's heading towards the bank as well. So then we go back to Gail and Evel. They rob the bank. They escape. And they're driving away, and they realize, once again, they <laughs> left the fucking baby in behind. The, in the road. In the road, again. And then just as they realize that and start freaking out, the die pack goes off, and the entire car explodes in blue paint. And they're driving, and they're, like, losing control, and eventually they, like, flame out, and they pull off to the side of the road after they almost hit High and Ed, yeah. who are trying to find them. So... Hi and Ed open the car doors, look for the baby. They're like, they're back by the bank. So Hi and Ed go towards the bank as well, leaving the brothers behind, never to be seen again in a cluster of blue paint and grossness. Well, they get seen again, but... Well, yeah, at the very, very end. But uh, they're also they're also like, take us with you! We <laughs> yeah, it's our the baby, baby too! Like, no, oh, <laughs> stop it. It's not your baby at all, you best. <laughs> as they're pulling up to the bank, yes. Ed and Hi... Leonard Smalls is coming from the other direction and just scoops up the baby, puts him on the front of his bike, and starts to drive away. Hi and Ed kind of cut him off, and they kind of I have like a standoff, basically. And Ed, being the badass she is, badass mama, she, like, I mean, not mama, but you know what I mean. She just... Despite the fact that this guy has grenades and guns. Yeah, he, sh he shot out both their windows. A huge motorcycle, yeah. Like, she just walks right up to him. It's like, give me that fucking baby. <laughs> she don't give a fuck. So, High kind of covers her with his gun. And allows, like, it allows her to scoop up the baby. And, like, and runs. she runs. Leonard kind of goes after her. On his bike. And she kind of runs through the bank, runs out the back, and High is right there with a two-by-four, and he whacks Leonard Smalls in the face and tells Ed to just go. So then, as Ed is kind of running off to the side, High is fighting Leonard Smalls, which is kind of like a fucking... Oh, it's a mismatch. It's definitely a mismatch. He's getting the shit kicked out of him, but, like, High is kind of being, like, this is this is, like an example of how High is, like, a criminal with a heart of gold. Because he's not, like, standing up to him. He's taking the hits. He just spits his teeth right back at him. Like, mm -hmm. he don't give a fuck either. So, because he just, you know, he does love Ed. And he cares about the baby. He wants to protect them. So, as High is being, like, pinned against a car yeah. by Leonard Smalls, he's a little tricky-tricky. He grabs... A pin, a pin on out of a grenade on his jacket, and he lets Leonard Smalls kind of push him to the ground, like, like yeah. far away, and 
then he kind of shows him the pin, like, ha-ha, motherfucker. Well, I think he even goes, sorry about this. Yeah, and then, boom, Letter Smalls explodes in a fiery... Explosion. Spl- ...spray of meat. After that, uh, big explosion, and they save the baby. They do. They decide that uh, they're going to return little Nathan Jr. to his rightful place. Yes. So... Back with the Arizonas. Uh, we cut to the house of the Arizonas in the nursery, and Nathan Arizona comes in. With a gun. Turns the light on, and he sees both of them standing over the crib, and this is like an interesting scene. Like, this is a really good moment. Yeah. So, Because this whole time, like, Nathan Arizona's just been like the quintessential, like, dirtbag. southern tycoon, skeevy, dirtbag. Yeah. So he, instead of immediately like calling the police, because even High says like you know you can call the police if you want. Like we I, took him. I took him. She did. Oh yeah, right. He says I took him. She had nothing to do with it. But yeah, you can call the police if you want. He's like, no one's gonna call the police. No harm has been done. But and he asks. He just instead of like going off on them and like call the cops, which I feel like most normal people would do. Yeah. Why'd you do it? He just asks them, like, why'd you do it? Like, wants to, like, talk to them. And Ed turns around and says, I couldn't have a baby of my own. And we wanted to have a child. And he's like, you know, you just, you gotta keep trying and hope that medical science kind of catches up with you. And, like, because the whole thing was, like, the quintuplets weren't just natural. They came out of, like, medical fertility treatments. So... Yeah, he seems, like, very understanding of it, and he's like, you know, you two still have each other, you know, you may not have a baby right now, but you still have each other, and High's like, well, sir, I think my wife and I are splitting up, we think that, you know, we're both two pretty selfish people, and we shouldn't probably be together, uh, and the, Nathan, it's, you know, he, he is not only understanding and kind of lets it go, he, like, tries to, like, counsel them a little bit, it's, it's a very, like, interesting moment because he's still very, like, sassy in his southern tycoon way. Yes. But he's also very understanding and kind of, like, yeah. chill and, like, wants to help them. So he basically says, like, you know, before you do anything crazy, like, splitting up, just sleep on it. And he lets them go. Yeah, he also said at some point, like, if my wife left me, I wouldn't know what to do with oh, myself. Oh, yeah, she was very... And- that was funny too because like in the beginning when Hi was stealing the baby he's downstairs with his wife and like they're not even like really talking to each other they're kind of just like yeah. you know like very distant yeah he, he said something also like the uh we all have our uh, our faults or something to that to that thing you know but you gotta find somebody who accepts them you know right right so they go home ed and Hi, and they go back to their house and they sleep in the same bed and they're together at least for now but high has a dream and this last dream sequence is like very sweet it basically is like showing the wrap up yeah i mean it wrapped everything up very nicely but uh it kind of shows their future as well and what he dreams of their future so in this dream sequence what happens we have the snokes brothers who, according to the dream, willingly go back to prison. I don't think that would happen in reality. No! <laughs> but that's High's dream. Glenn, who is constantly, like, trying to convince cops... That they stole Nathan That Jr. they stole Nathan Jr. And the cop had a clearly Polish name that he was talking to. And you know? he, yeah, he made a Polak joke at him. And, yeah, yeah, I was like, oh boy. There goes Glenn. Um, and then we have Nathan Jr., like, growing up. Yes. And in the dream, like... He was getting gifts from other family... From a from uh, an unknown couple. And they were, like, watching him. Like, he, they gifted him a football as a child in this dream. And then he grew up to be a football star. Yes. Like, it was kind of, like, sweet in a weird way. Yeah, because they brought up... He gave hobbies that he, he secretly remembers us somehow. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I think it's kind of cute. It's kind of weird. I don't know. But the best part of the dream sequence, in my opinion, 
is the look into High and Ed's dream future, which is basically just them as an old couple, like, welcoming their kids and grandkids into their home and, like, enjoying each other and enjoying their big family. But I saw a old couple being visited by their children and all their grandchildren, too. The old couple wasn't screwed up. And neither were their kids or their grandkids. Dad. And I don't know. You tell me. This whole dream. Was it wishful thinking? Was I just fleeing reality like I know I'm liable to do? But me and Ed, we can be good too. And I hope that that part at least happens in real life. Not that this movie is real, but you know what I'm yes, saying. Yes, for them. Because, like, I liked them as a couple. Yeah. I thought they were very sweet. Despite the fact that they fucked up. They kidnapped the baby. Right. But, <laughs> but see, this is, this is why this movie is fucking great. Because it makes you, like, genuinely empathize and care about these people who, in reality on paper if you saw a news story about like some random couple kidnapping a child like you would be like oh my god that's awful actually funny that you brought this up but the, this also makes me think of villains movie yeah 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 because in the movie it's kind of a lesser known movie that came out th this past year with peter skarsgård and Kira sedgwick Kira sedgwick but anyway yeah. so in the movie there's this young couple who are like petty robbers. thieves yeah they're petty thieves and they break into this house and they just happen to break into the house of a couple who's like 10 times worse criminals than they are yeah but uh it makes you empathize with them because even though they are petty thieves themselves they never really hurt anybody no and you learn more about them as people and you, yeah it's kind of a similar yeah. idea but yeah, it, it works really well in this. Again, I think this is probably my favorite Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, I can see that. I it, feel like it's a lot... They probably it's go a lot more lighthearted than some of their other yeah, movies. Yeah, well, their other movies well if you look like at, too. like, it, it's... The message is polar opposite from, like, No Country for Old Men or There Will Be Blood. Right. So, yeah. It, it's definitely a very good Coen Brothers movie. I do like it a lot. It, it's more on the side, like... Fargo has a lot of... Well, Fargo is also kind of dark, but it's also on the yeah, lighter side. Yeah, but it also has, so. like, a lot of humor. This is probably closer to Big Lebowski. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that. So, out of, uh, five stars, what would you give this? I'm probably, like, a four. I'm also at a four. I really love the writing. I love the characters. Love the acting. Yeah. Love the craziness. The oh, humor. it was so zany. Yeah, so I, I dug this a lot. Yeah, no, honestly, the zaniness, it was all it was all very good. Uh, I actually didn't even believe everybody. Everybody had a good part for the most part. You know, I, I actually, yeah, I thought it was really good. I was surprised when I looked this up that this wasn't, like, nominated for anything. But I guess it was kind of early in the Coen Brothers' career, so they weren't, like, you know, the Coen Brothers. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, the Coen Brothers made the movie. So it didn't get as much recognition as it probably should have, I think. Probably. But... But it's also... I still really like it. <laughs> I think it's one of those movies that, even though it's... It's not one of those movies that I feel like would have been an Oscar movie. I feel like this would have been... I feel like it could have been. I feel like this would have been like a summary movie. I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's fair too, I guess. I don't know. I just... I really dug it. I liked it a lot. I'm just saying I don't think it's an Oscar Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. But they're a lighter, like, Oscar movie. It's like, Green Book's a lighter Oscar movie. I guess, true. It just, you know, as far as, like, recently... That's more light Oscar movies. They're not all, like, overly dramatic. That's true. But, um, alright, so I, I feel really good about this. I'm glad I introduced you to that. Indeed. Because that was really fun. It was. So, yeah, next week we're going to be watching another movie. Scott's going to introduce me to something I've never seen. That I've always heard about and wanted to see, but never did. So, I'm excited about that. Oh, yeah. It's a classic. So, make sure you tune in next week for that guy. And 
This has been Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Anchor. And make sure you come back next week to get your fix of us. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.